I don't know how much you realise how famous you are here. <laughs> Milford Baptist Church, I think it's famous for your welcome, for your engagement with the community, as exemplified by what you're doing in the Children's Holiday Club, and for Mechanics in Africa, which has been a fantastic uh, exemplar, an example for others. Richard mentioned some of the links we have with uh, Richard's family. He didn't mention that when our daughter was born, uh, Francis went into labour. And it was Richard's parents who came and stayed at the house overnight uh, because we had our first child who was asleep upstairs. Uh, and we came back in the morning um, with our daughter and uh, Jill and Leslie had sort of happily uh, slept there the night and looked after Graham, our eldest. Um, so we were indebted to Richard's parents for that as well as the interesting family link between respective children. Uh, I'm a, a reader at Busbridge Church. We've lived in Busbridge since 1979. Uh, but I have a particular Baptist connection in that when I was at Durham University, I was a member of the Baptist Society, which was called the Joshua Marshman Society. They used uh, the names of Baptist missionaries to be the titles of the different university societies. And Joshua Marshman was a Baptist missionary in India with a strong focus on social justice and education um, uh, and debated a lot with the Hindus about ethical issues. Um, William Carey, who is the most famous of the Baptist uh, missionaries, used to describe him as brilliant, even if overly zealous and stubborn sometimes. But being overly zealous and stubborn is sometimes a quality, not necessarily a, a disadvantage. Um, so I had some, lots of good teaching in the University of Baptist Society at Durham. And three weeks ago, I was team teaching in Vancouver at the University of British Columbia with somebody called Paul Stevens, who's a Baptist minister. Uh, he would not want to be called a retired Baptist minister because at 78 he's as energetic as ever. Uh, but we were doing some uh, work with emerging leaders from around the Pacific. And Paul is a wonderful example of a Baptist minister who has not retired and doesn't regard retirement as part of the Christian vocation in the sense of bringing Christian mission and ministry and energising uh, people. Um, and I think for me, both Joshua Marshman in the 19th century and Paul Stevens, my colleague, who I've known over many years, prior to doing this team teaching, are wonderful examples of being salt and light. Uh, Joshua Marshman, salt and light in India in the 19th century. Uh, Paul, salt and light working on the Pacific Rim over many, many years. What I want to do today is to encourage you to just think about the metaphors of salt and light and what that might mean for you this coming week and this coming year. But firstly, the biblical context. Um, the Beatitudes are the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5, and then four verses that are salt and light. And what is really significant is that they sit next to each other. We tend to know the Beatitudes 
And we tend to know these verses on salt and light, but we don't often put it together that they're next to each other. So what is the link? I think that the Beatitudes flow beautifully into the passage on salt and light. Perhaps the Beatitudes are about the what is important, and salt and light is then about how we take forward the Beatitudes. Perhaps the two passages are intimately linked and not separate. Um, You studied the Beatitudes before Christmas. My guess is some of the teachings, some of the phrases from the Beatitude are still ringing in your ears. And as you listened to the Beatitudes a few minutes ago, maybe you were recalling some of the reflections you had on the Beatitudes before Christmas. The Beatitudes are not just a statement about those who are blessed. To me, the Beatitudes are a manifesto about our responsibilities of Christian citizenship, a manifesto about our responsibilities to be salt and light. They're an encouragement to us to build a society and a nation where such people receive God's blessing so that the poor in spirit are aware they're part of the kingdom of God. Those who mourn are comforted. Those who are meek are part of nourishing the earth. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness are filled. Those who are merciful are shown mercy. Those who are pure in heart do see God. Those who are peacemakers recognise that they are children of God. Those who are persecuted because of righteousness understand that theirs is the kingdom of God. You have reflected on how the Beatitudes are relevant for you last term. And I think the question is, in what ways might we be an agent for bringing God's blessing so that the Beatitudes are true and real for people. Who might we encourage? Who might we stand up for? What institutions and policies might be challenged which inhibit people from receiving God's blessing? How can we help people recognise what is it about their own attitudes that are stopping them from receiving God's blessing? The Beatitudes are a profound statement about what is important. The passage on salt and light is an exhortation to be engaging with those around us so that the people around us receive God's blessing, so that the Beatitudes become true for the people around us. It's lovely to have those key words just up on the screen behind us. Jesus says unequivocally, unequivocally to the disciples, you are the salt of the earth. He says that to us too. You wasn't just the disciples. You is the ongoing apostles' role that you and I have. You are the salt of the earth. We're called to be the salt of the earth. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. We are called to be the light of the world. 
and I think they're wonderfully complementary statements. Salt and light are doing different things. And so often Jesus puts things together and paints a picture and leaves us to reflect on the balance between the two. So what's the difference between salt and light? Salt flavours a dish. It brings out the flavours. Salt is invisible, but is distinctive and influential. It's the in fact you can't see salt in something. Uh, But it's so distinctive, so influential, it preserves the good and enhances the flavour. So maybe the core to be salt is about infusing the community, the nation. You do it already in the way you welcome, the way you engage. Salt is about infusing the community, the nation, with Christian flavour and insight. Being salt is about influencing the way issues are considered at local, regional, national and international levels. And for me, being salt is about bringing Christian insights like hope, love, forgiveness, reconciliation, joy, judgment and new life. Bringing those insights into any situation in the community, at work and in the way we contribute as Christian citizens. So as a parent, a teacher, a paramedic, a volunteer, an admin assistant, a shop assistant, whatever our role in the community, we are bringing the salt. We're called to be the salt, bringing Christian insight in the different ways in which we contribute in the life of our town and our nation. That contribution might be about hope, love, forgiveness, reconciliation, joy, new life. So I do encourage you to see yourself a salt that brings flavour, that preserves goodness, that can turn the average into the excellent through bringing new freshness, new life, new hope. We're also called as Christians, as Christian citizens, to bring light as well as salt. Light to community and national life. Jesus refers to not hiding your light under a bushel. Or, in the translation we heard today, not putting your light under a bowl. Um, There's something rather wonderful about the phrase of not putting your light under a bushel. Um, Bringing God's light into national and community life might be about standing up visibly for justice, fairness and education. It might be supporting Christian schools as a visible demonstration of Christian presence and teaching. And our challenge is to how do we support people to be a visible presence, a visible Christian presence in education, in finance, health, manufacturing, government, community activities, the care world, the hospital world. Just standing back from this, if you have the picture, salt and light is very different. 
Being salt is infusing. It's a hidden presence. Light may be very visible. It may be shining a spotlight on something and saying something quite direct. And the two go together. And I think the encouragement to us from both these passages in Matthew taken together is to play our part building on the wonderful things you already do. Our part being practical, purposeful and pragmatic. Practical in the sense of building the kingdom of God together in our community. Purposeful in terms of enabling people to receive God's blessing so the Beatitudes ring true for people because we're the agents of bringing God's blessing. Maybe it's in education, in fairness and justice. A bit like Joshua Marshman did. Um, and the third, and the fourth, third strand, maybe it's sometimes playing a bit pragmatic. You know, sometimes it is right to bring salt and influence quietly. Sometimes it is right to bring light and focus on a particular issue. And there's a sort of choice and that is appropriate in different contexts to make. So what might all of this mean for us this coming <coughs> You here have a sound basis on which to build. You're engaged in the community. Your work on Mechanics for Africa has been a wonderful exemplar of being practical, purposeful and pragmatic. You have been great encouragers for others. You have been agents bringing God's blessing to the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, the merciful, the poor in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted. So what might be next for you as individuals and as a church community? Sometimes you'll be called to be salt, encouraging, bringing out the flavour of different perspectives, preserving the good, inviting discussions on questions that seem pertinent. As salt, we may be a semi-hidden presence, encouraging, stretching, infusing, drawing out the best in others. Sometimes, we, you, are called to be light, highlighting issues, challenging the status quo, pointing out new opportunities and illustrating possibilities. Just, one couldn't do a sermon today without mentioning the inauguration of the US President. At the inauguration ceremony of President Trump last week, the Reverend Samuel Rodriguez recited from the Beatitudes. So that was part of the inauguration ceremony. And at a special inauguration church service on the same day, uh, the, the sermon was preached by Robert Jeffries, a Southern Baptist pastor, with a new president and the vice president present. And Mike Pence, the vice president, has continually made clear his Christian faith and commitment. President Obama's final message from his official presidential Twitter account was, I'm still asking you to believe, not in my ability to bring about change, but in yours. 
Obama goes on, I believe in change because I believe in you. Actually, I think that is, has a resonance for us about it's up to us, was the President Obama's message to his people, it's up to us to change and be salt and light in the world. Um, and then we may or may not be a fan of President Trump, but his tweet just before the inauguration might be true for us too in different way. He tweeted, the movement continues, the work begins. Now, the movement we are part of, bringing God's blessing to the people around us, continues. And our work maybe begins a new phase in a very uncertain world. A new phase as we bring salt and light of God's presence in our work, in our communities, in the whole realm in which we are engaged in God's mission. As a visiting preacher, I was asked what hymn we should sing after the sermon. And I had no hesitation in suggesting uh, the one we're going to sing, which is Lord for the Years. Because the Lord for the Years that you have uh, guided uh, was the hymn that was uh, sung in St Paul's Cathedral uh, for the celebration of the Queen's 90th birthday and I think Timothy Dudley Smith's hymn sums up something that's really really important you know it's something to uh, that for you in this place you're able to say the Lord has kept and guided us and at a time of political and economic uncertainty for us to affirm, here we stand, for the Lord has kept and guided us and will do so through uncertainty. But we're also challenged to be salt and light. For the movement continues, but our work begins its next phase. So let us stand and sing this next hymn. <laughs>